Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. I am here with John, how do you say your last name, dude? Pazinski? That's what I call you. Oh, oh, that's what you call me. Okay. Is that your real name, though? John Poshis. Okay, Pazinski. Yeah, Pazinski. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's roll with it. I'm going to go with Pazinski. <laughs> that, that, that sounds a lot Pasha better. Snick. Pazinski might be the new pronunciation. I might how have do to you, legal uh, How do you say it again? Pasha Snick. Pasha Snick. What Pasha is that? Snick. It's Ukrainian. You're Ukrainian? Yes. Are you from Chernobyl? No. Isn't that the Ukraine? That is in the Ukraine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Luckily, none of my ancestors were around there. Were you born in the U.S.? Yeah, yep. So We let you in? I was, thought Trump wasn't letting you in. Well, he doesn't want to let me in when I come back, but I snuck in. You did? First time around, yeah. Okay. Yeah. John, no. who are you? What do you do, man? Talk so, to us. How old are you? Let's see. I'm 33. You're 33 years 33, old? 33. 33-year-old general dentist from Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Indiana. And how many practices do you have? So I have four practices right now. And uh, do you have four partners? I have four associate doctors okay. plus myself. In each practice, one doctor? One doctor in each practice. And then you kind of float myself, between? Yeah. Yep, I act almost like the traveling specialist. Ooh, yeah. the, tra- the traveling traveling man, man right? Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. actually have one of those little uh, kits that you see the hairdressers take around. It's on a wheels, and I load up my implant motor and implants and ortho supplies. Are you so cheap? You just won't buy one for each office? Hell yeah, I'm cheap. Okay. Come on, man. All right, so I, selfishly, I've wanted to talk to you for a while. I don't know why I just didn't do it the last time you were here. I think you were inebriated, and that's why we couldn't do it. <laughs> No, that must have been, you were thinking the wrong guy. <laughs> that must wasn't have been me. rich. That wasn't been me. Rich. That was definitely rich. Okay. So, um, how did a 33 year old, 33, correct? 33. Get from zero to four? Zero to did four. Did you set out for that to happen? Did you think that in dental school? No. No. No, I didn't. All right. No. I always pictured myself wanting my own business and that's what really drew me to dentistry. I loved the idea of being able to be a part of healthcare. But still getting to be a part of the, you know, the entrepreneurial businessman kind of, kind of spirit. And that's always been inside of me. And so that's what really got me started in dentistry. So I had my heart set on getting my own practice. Went through a GPR, actually three months into it, realized that I hated it and found a practice in Columbia, South Carolina. So you quit? I quit the GPR. Oh, dude, you could never apply again. I know. Can you imagine if I tried to? Apply? Did they kick you out? Um, they, they, we parted ways mutually. We, we so they had, wanted you gone too. I don't think they were sad to see me go. Um, frankly, I was producing too much. 
I'm, and I'm saying that not trying to be a, a, a turd. What does that mean? You're producing too much. I was um, seeing too many patients. I was being told to slow down. The the VA the, that I was at was oh VAs. The, yeah. My my uncle went to work for a VA yeah, when he retired from right. cardiology. And the second second weekend, he got to sit down to from the other physicians. Says you can't work this hard. That's exactly that's that's basically what happened. Um, my problem was that the rules and structures there um, didn't really fit my style. But why did you go to that that GPR? Because I thought I needed experience. And but why that one? Was that the only one you got into? It was the one I got. Into. The only one. Yep. Well, it's the match. You get matched. Why'd you rank it high? I didn't. Oh, so you nobody else wanted you. <laughs> You're putting the pieces together. Thanks for calling me out on that one. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to be honest, right? All right, so you're like me. You're a failure. Exactly. <laughs> nobody wanted you, so yeah. you went and... Uh, so you got out three months out of your GPR. Yeah. You quit your GPR yes. or got let go from your GPR. A story still to be determined, okay? Yes. Um, and did you buy a practice right away or did you work for somebody? No. So I had, uh, like I said, I had my heart set on a practice in South Carolina and actually moved to South Carolina. Where in South Carolina? Columbia. Love Columbia. Awesome city. Really fun place. Love the college town atmosphere. Hootie's from there. Hootie's from there, which really really was a big draw to me. Turns out that he's not, his name isn't actually Hootie. It's Darius Rucker. Yeah. I found that out once. And now he sings country. I know. Can you believe that? He's a black man singing country. Yeah. Well, I thought he was Indian at first. What? I don't know. He just kind of looked like you. Well, okay. It's a compliment. It's a compliment, dude. I'll take that. So I moved down there. I packed my car up. All of my possessions are in Were you married? I was married. My wife stayed back. Luckily, she had a job, but she worked for Eli Lilly, big pharmaceutical company. company. So she's a pharmacist. She was working in industry with them. And I find this practice and move, and I leave her at home to sell the house and basically try and convince her boss that she can do her job remotely from South Carolina. Okay. So they didn't know that we had this plan. I moved down there. I'm getting ready to close on the practice. And I drive down on a Sunday, kind of meet the guy. It was the first time I met the dentist, too, which was really a smart move on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So met the guy for the first time, see the practice. I'm like, yep, still like it. I spent all day Monday in his computer system, digging through charts, looking at x-rays, and started to realize it might not be the the same practice that I was advertised as, mm-hmm. and realized this probably isn't the best thing for me. So you got right back in your car? So You quit again? I didn't get right back in my car. I slept on it, and then I got Did to get... Did you sleep in the car? I slept, no, I was sleeping at a by-the-week motel, because mm-hmm. that was my game plan. Was it owned by Indians? It, yes. Probably. Absolutely. absolutely. Was I, it a roadside motel? It, well, you know it. Okay. You know it, yeah. In okay. In the South. In the south, yeah, it was perfect. It was the Indians own every motel in the south. It was perfect. Was it, it was, a motor lodge? No, it was a. It was a. Uh, the hallways were inside. Okay, the, it was inside hallways. Okay. Yeah, All right. Not outside hallways. Not possibly not. Uh, that's a. When I was growing up, those were high class Indian motel well, sure. owners. They had in, they had interior hallway properties. <laughs> when I was growing up, we had ex, exterior hallway properties, so we were low class sure. Indian motel sure. owners. So I'm I'm living there. I slept on it go back to the practice and I'm kind of like locked in this room and it's hot, sweaty room in the South. I've got the banker. Kind of like we are now. Right now. Exactly. I mean, your basement's got a little bit higher ceilings yeah. than that room, but okay. uh, banker, seller, the broker and myself. And they're all in between me and the door. So you're going down there to buy this. Practice. I was going down there to buy it. And on Tuesday we were going to sign the paperwork. Wednesday I was going to start working. 
And on Tuesday, I had to look them all in the eyes and say, this isn't right. This isn't for me. And I walked away. Why don't you just text it to them like the rest of you millennials do? Texting wasn't a thing back then. This is like 2011, man. This was five years ago, six years ago. 2010, 2010. It was 2010. The iPhone was, was a, texting became a yeah. thing when the iPhone came out, dude. Okay. Right? So, yeah, no, I, I felt like I had to tell them face to face this wasn't right for me. And Did they, yell at you? they were, they were a little bit less than pleased. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty uncomfortable thing. Like I said, they were between me and the door. So I had to get through these mm-hmm. surly Southern guys. And in the, the, the flags out. Yeah, it was. It, the, of course, they all were in huge trucks. Like mm-hmm. that's how they drove there. So I'm like, you're making fun of trucks. Know. Brian's gonna come over here and kick your oh, ass, dude. Geez. Well, he could <laughs> kick my ass though, but he he shoots everything that moves. So <laughs> I'm not much different. I'm just on two legs. So I I leave. I get back in the car and come back home. How long would drive was that? So it was a 11 hour drive, and it did you was, have diarrhea from uh, the stress? Yes. I had to stop many times. And in fact, on the way back, my car I'm being dead serious about that. My stomach was in knots. It was terrible. On the way back, my car dies. In the middle. What car did you have? A Ferrari? (laughs) (laughs) You're hilarious. Oh my God. No. So the car dies in traffic outside of Louisville. So I'm like two hours from home, hour and a half from home. Car dies, middle of rush hour traffic. And I'm like, you, Uber, you, call, you call Uber? I just called Uber and got right home. In 2011, yeah. before it existed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I had this thing called a AAA card. Okay. And I, I had to call on the phone and wait for the AAA guy to come out and tow me to, to the repair shop. So it's it's one of those moments that just remains like stuck in my brain forever. Like, I was not prepared for this. I didn't do my homework. I didn't do my research. I wasn't prepared for it. But luckily, I was willing to say... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get out because if I just push through and said, I'll figure it out, it'll be okay. I'll just figure it out. I don't think I'd be here with you right now. My career would have gone a totally different path. Okay. Because you I made would, that decision to leave I made that Columbia, South Carolina, because you didn't like Hootie anymore. It because did, his name was Darius exa- Rucker. Exactly. Once I found that out, I said, that's a deal breaker. Okay. It's my non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Okay. Exactly. So it was, it was a really hard decision, but I feel like that helped get me where I am. And that's, you know, I, I've got kind of that immigrant spirit in me mm-hmm. too, because I'm a, I'm a second generation here in the States. So my, my dad was born here. My mom was born here, but I, uh, I kind of carried that spirit because that's what my grandparents came to this country mm-hmm. with. They came here with nothing. They worked their tails off. They came with $7, correct? Exactly. Because every immigrant somehow only comes with that's $7. That's it. That's all they let them in with. I, I think don't think you, that's true. If you had eight, they would take that last dollar. I don't think so, but that's yeah. okay. You know, we weren't there, so how could we say? I'm just saying they walked uphill in snow both ways, right? So, uh, fighting through those maybe in challenges, the Ukraine they probably did. Well, they actually, did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, fighting through those challenges, and that's that's how I feel like I've been able to really get to where I am in my career. Because in life, we're always going to have these challenges, and we all face challenges. And there's been a few in particular in my life, but that was the very first one. Okay. So you got in your car, you got back home, yep. took yep. a little longer than you thought. A little bit longer, a little pit stop. That's okay. I got back home. So now I'm an unemployed dentist. You, the, you've been kicked out slash quit yes. a program in three months. Yes. Then you drove to Columbia, South yes. Carolina to buy a practice and yep. you backed out and quit on that as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, you still don't have a job yet. Yeah, exactly. So this is a pretty inspiring story so far, right? Like I'm, I'm really, really. Doing... You so far you're a typical millennial. Yes. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. But yeah. All right. So now what do you do? All right. So I 
just through happenstance, a job gets posted on the local uh, dental society webpage mm-hmm. the day I get back. I call these people immediately and I get to go and interview. It's a private practice. It's about 40 minutes away from home. So kind of out in a more rural area. It's a perfect situation for me. They're looking for somebody immediately full time. And I interviewed on a Friday and the following Monday I started. It was just. That perfect. didn't bother you? That no. they needed you that badly so quickly? I needed them more than they okay. needed me gotcha. at that point. Did you tell them that you quit or fired, got fired from your residency? Yes. Oh, yeah. There was total transparency. Okay. So, Did you tell them that you backed out on the sale of a practice? Yes. Oh, yeah. You yeah. left some guy, you left some poor old guy at the altar? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I, I, there's full transparency there because okay. I, I felt like that was the right thing to do at the time. So I worked at that practice for about two and a half years as an associate, full time. Two and a half two years. Two and a half wow. years. Yep. So I spent two and a half years there. And it was a great relationship between me and the, the owner doctor. We, we got along great. We saw treatment philosophy kind of the same way. We felt really importantly about treating our patients right. And I learned a lot about, um, running a business from him as well. How'd so, you learn that? Did he purposely set out for that or did you ask he, for that? He didn't. I asked for it. Okay. I asked a lot of questions. Um, I was really curious about our budget. I was really curious about what our, um, what our P&L looked like on a monthly basis. And he was really open and willing to share those kind of things with me, which really meant a lot to me. And, you know, it was kind of surprising to me that there was never really anything on the table as far as a potential to buy into the Mm -hmm. practice because he knew that that was ultimately what I was really looking for. So started looking a little bit more aggressively about two years into the job, Mm -hmm. found a practice that I thought was, I was dead set on. And you left them at the altar. We again? were ready. This is where the story takes a fun twist. We were ready to go. We had financing ready, and he left me at the altar. What? He backed karma, out. dude. He backed out. It was total karma, and I was just crushed. I was crushed. It was like, you know, he, you went home crying that day, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you could see the tears just rolling right down my face. It was brutal though, because it it, it really felt like something had been taken from me that I really wanted, mm-hmm. and I felt really good about it. So. That was a, that was a tough thing, but it's okay. I kept plugging along, kept working and found it, found finally the practice that I initially got. All right. So my first practice found it and vetted the doctor a lot. Given some of my previous scenarios, I knew there was no way she was backing out. She was a 42 year old woman that was retiring because her husband was a gazillionaire, really didn't need to work anymore. She was kind of done with practice. I saw a lot of potential in her practice. She was doing no specialty define work at how all. You, define how you saw potential in the practice. So she was doing no specialty work whatsoever. Okay. This woman showed up at 10 a.m. Well, the first patient was at 10 a.m. She'd show up at about 10.45. <laughs> Typically, the patient would be waiting for about 15 minutes for their hygiene check. Um, she'd jet out of there about four. No Dude, how do I get that life? Right? You, you get born into it, I think. It's not the ideal, but it, it worked for her. And it was a great situation for me because I knew that the patients needed somebody that was going to be there, be attentive to their needs, take care of what they needed, do the, some of the specialty work in the office, take care of root canals right there on the spot for them, get involved in some of the, the minor orthodontics at first. You saw the potential, not that there was a bunch of large old amalgam fillings that no. was being undiagnosed, but you saw potential in the procedures you could add to the practice. Exactly. Because it was, it was a very mature practice. So okay. the, these patients for the most part, had their, their basic restorative taken care of, even a lot of their major restorative work. So from day one, I was going in replacing defective crowns, going in replacing defective fillings that had been there for 10, 15 years. So it wasn't, like you said, the big, huge alloy mm-hmm. disaster that we were trying to clean up. 
and felt like this is this is a good situation for me. And it really worked well. Patients were really receptive to it. Uh, the team, although they were pretty hesitant at first about this young guy coming in when they had this kind of cushy life and I was holding them pretty accountable for what they should be doing, they turned around pretty quickly once they saw what good we were doing. Did for the she patients. stick around? She did not. She uh, We closed on a Monday and on Tuesday, she was supposed to be there to start signing the letters and she didn't show up. I saw her two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So she, she, it was, the a country total, club. it was a total walk away. Actually, it was at the country club where I was a guest of someone else and she was there. Well, uh, it really was at the country club. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was making it that was, up. It was a uh, pretty, pretty much like the, the story of our situation. Okay. But, but it was a good situation. Um, were so, you burdened with debt? I was burdened when you got out of school with student loan debt. Yep. How absolutely. Much? About $300,000. Okay. But that didn't deter you from, from buying a practice. Did it deter you from taking CE? Did you take any CE? It didn't deter me from buying a practice. Um, because actually by the time I had bought the practice, I had my student loan debt. So you paid it off during your associateship. Yes, yep. Yep. Really went to town paying it down. Uh, every time that there was a bonus that came came through with the office, just went right to the loan. student loan debt. My, it was the same when my wife had a bonus check come in, pay the loans down. Because we really wanted to make sure that we were financially secure in our home so that we could then go out and I could start to do some of these business ventures that I wanted to do. Are your parents in business? Um, no, my dad is a, he was a lifelong business guy for the uh, corporation. Uh, my mom was a nurse growing up and then... Um, she spent time at, at home with the, the kids towards uh, towards the later part of our childhood. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how'd you go from one practice to two? So the leap from one to two was... Um, Is that the most it, difficult, by the way? No, it was actually the easiest. Okay. Because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But you knew you wanted a second practice. I knew I wanted a second practice. And to me, at first, I looked at it for all the wrong reasons. I wanted a second practice because I thought it would be easy money, easy cash flow, I saw what I was doing on a monthly basis. I saw the cash flow that we had. And I said, geez, I can replicate this. It's easy. We'll just drop another associate in. We can replicate this on and on and on. Right? Not a problem. That might work if you don't buy a practice that's an hour and a half away that you are never at and expected to just run on its own. And I did all of those things. So you were dumb. I was incredibly dumb. Okay. Incredibly. How did that set you back? Um, it set me back in the, in the aspect that there was not any of the cash flow that I was expecting. Was it a negative cash flow? It it was not negative. Uh, So it wasn't totally, so it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing ever. I didn't lose money on the, on the practice. And you know what? I can, I can sit here and say that I had a, I employed a great associate and she was able to make a living. So I guess that's great. And I employed some good people and they could make a living. We helped a lot of patients, but do you still have this practice? I, I do have this practice, and um, well, I guess I guess I can divulge this by the time this uh, gets out on the air. It'll probably have happened. This is actually a practice that is, I'm divesting. I'm going to be selling this practice off. Um, so you go down to three. Go down to three. This, this practice, because of the geographical implications. I'm going to put this podcast up tonight. Okay, perfect. No, <laughs> no, no, nobody listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with you. Okay. So um, geographically. Geographically, it's tough to tough to manage because of the time aspect. An hour and a half away. Hour and a half away. And it's not even the time so much, but it's the only practice that's in that direction. It's south of everything. Dead south. Okay. 
The other three offices, although they're not right next door to each other, they're all kind of clustered okay. together in a way. They're kind of on the way. Exactly. From A to Z, exactly. you pass B and C. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can you can navigate your way around mm-hmm. in a day relatively well. So between that and then the fact that we've really struggled with having a doctor down there. Um, the associate that I had there for a long time, um, she moved out to Colorado. She decided she needed a change in life. She moved out. Good for her. I'm excited for her. It's what she needed to do. So that's, you know, I feel like that's one of my biggest duties is getting these doctors prepared for the next step in their life. You're like a John Calipari in a way. I, I feel it's, a, it's really important. I know what dentistry has done for me. Mm-hmm. I love dentistry. And if I can give that same feeling to the doctors that work for me, work with me, at, you know, at the end of my career, if I can look back and say that I gave the people that experience, I'm going to be really happy with it. That's awesome. How do you get from two to three? So two to three was, um, especially when you didn't make money on number two. Yeah. So two to three was, was an interesting one because when I went from two to three, I said, okay, great. I figured out all the stuff I did wrong with number two. And by now I was realizing that I needed a little help. I couldn't do this all on my own. So I'd hired on some, for lack of a better term, call them corporate employees. Mm -hmm. I have some behind the scenes employees that are helping run some of the aspects of the business that I simply don't have time or the effort or patience to do. Things like, like what? Uh, things like human resources, hiring people, firing people, having the, the difficult conversations about performance, mm-hmm. doing the, the basic reviews that need to happen on kind of an ongoing basis. They don't even necessarily do it, but they make sure to prompt me mm-hmm. when I need to do things. Like when you need to get involved. Like when I need to get involved. Hey, hey, doc, we've had this conversation three times with so-and-so. It's, it's time. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need you to step in. We need you to get the associate doctor involved, too. So... I brought the, brought my kind of right hand woman on. My, she's Kathy. She's my Kathy. I, and she does everything for me. She takes care of a lot of things for me. So I had her on board and with her background, which was in corporate dentistry, I said, okay, great. We've kind of ironed out some of the kinks. We're going to make this different. I know what to not do now. I've learned from my mistakes. We're not going to do that with number three. And number three was, uh, it was the exact opposite of number one. It was the classic big, huge patchwork alloys, mm-hmm. no sort of comprehensive dental plan at all for these patients. It was single tooth dentistry to the T and it's in a community that's not that far out of the way of a big city, but it feels like it. It's 70 miles outside of Indianapolis, but that's less than an hour on the interstate. Yeah. And so these patients want, except when the cows care. are in the way, Well, except when the cows, you know, cause a pile, pile yeah. up on the highway. But these patients want comprehensive care. And that's what I realized almost day one. They want this care. They and just weren't given the opportunity to say yes to the best. They to say yes, exactly. And so immediately day one, we had Cone Beam in that office. Immediately day one, we had Sarek in that office. Because you already had it? Because I saw the success that it brought me in my first practice and also the second practice. The, the success for the patients, the success for the doctor, and... Ultimately, that's what we really need to do. So did the doctor you buy from stayed there in the number three practice? He stayed for about two months. Um, we had a succession plan in place. We He knew that I needed him on board. I bought the practice at the end of April. I had a doctor already identified for the practice. He was graduating dental school, fresh out of school, dropped him in the practice of the day he got his license. Okay. Now, unfortunately, that relationship only lasted about six months. Um, Probably wasn't the style of practice that he was looking for. 
And I, I know the person that he moved on to work for, and it seems like that's a much better fit. And in a way, it was the biggest blessing that I could have had because the doctor I have out there now is incredibly talented. She's incredibly excited about the, the opportunity she has to, to help these patients, and she really sees the bigger picture. Is she here this weekend? She's not here this weekend. Okay. Um, I, I want to bring her down some of your other coursework okay. and, and get her involved in that because she's the kind of person that if you tell her to do something and she understands why it's important, it just happens. Okay. And it's, it's really fun to see that. And it's fun to work with people like that. Those are I, the people I want to be around. Yeah, absolutely. How'd you go from three to four? So then three to four, um, that's a fun, it's a funny story. Number four should have actually been number three. So let me back up for a second. Yeah. Well, how much time frame has there been between each acquisition? Okay. That's a gr- that's a great question. So timeline, um, May of 2013. You buy number buy one. Buy number one. July of 2014. So about a year and a little bit later. Yeah, by, about a year later, buy number two. And then it is April of 2016. So a year and a half, almost two years. Before you buy number three. Before I buy number three. So decent gap in between there. But then two months later, I have number four. Were you actively looking? Yes. Or something came around? So I, I'd been actively looking when number three and four both came into play. And number four, like I said, should have been number three. I met the doctor. It was probably before the holidays of 2015. I was doing a live surgery event at my office and he was in attendance. And afterwards he stuck around and we started talking. He was really excited about the guided surgery that I was doing and milling surgical guides and all these different things. And he goes, you know, John, I've really been looking for somebody like this to take over my practice. I want to continue to work a little bit. I want to continue to work with implants and, and do this, that, and the other thing. And I feel like this would be a really good situation for us. And I said, you know what? That sounds ideal to me too. Sounds great. I can learn about your practice, learn about your patients. It can be a nice transition as you ease into retirement. And the process drug on and on. And we hit some roadblocks along the way. And looking back at it, those probably should have been the red flags mm-hmm. that, that really said, stop, think about this a little bit more. Um, but it's one of those things where there's almost so much momentum once it got going again that you just couldn't stop it. Okay. So we closed on the deal at the end of June. and About almost, a year later. Uh, so almost a year later. Oh, two, two months later, sorry. Yeah, two, mon- two months after. Two yeah. months after number three. Close on it. And almost from the get-go, we had a pretty pretty rocky time. With so the, that's with the second practice doctor. with the selling doctor. With the selling doctor. Because he and stayed on. He or he she st- stayed on. He as stayed an on as an associate for a long term. We had a we had a one year commitment between us, and it really wasn't the the best fit because yeah. he he didn't enjoy some of the things we were doing with the practice. He didn't enjoy some of the uh, technology that we were integrating and requiring. And didn't have it, so you bought and, it. Exactly. So not only did you attain, you uh, assume to practice loan, you also right away put Sarek and Conebeam in there. Yes, exactly. So all four of your practice have Sarek and Conebeam. Yes. Okay. Yep. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants, but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, 
guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So to make a long story short with that, we, we ended up mutually parting ways at the end of 2016. So right at uh, Christmas and New Year's, we parted ways. He was done in the practice. And since then, we've seen a tremendous turnaround because now the team realizes it's my practice and it's not the old doctor's practice. Right. And the principles that are really important to me, they're now understanding the benefit of them. So we've, we've seen a significant turnaround and really hoping to continue to w- ride that wave and, yeah. and really push things forward. All right. What's holding you back from getting number five, six, seven, eight, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? Yeah. yeah. So at this point, it becomes a pretty, pretty simple problem and it's financial. Okay. Um, financial in what sense? Finan- that you're not making enough? The financial in the sense that there's a number of financial institutions that no matter how well the practices are performing as a business unit, mm-hmm. they all they're worried about is a debt number. And when they see the amount of debt that I've personally assumed by myself, 100%, they simply What's don't that want number, to touch by the way, if, if you don't mind sharing? It's, it's well north of $3 million. Okay. And, and they're very... Do you own the real estate in any of these practices? I own the real estate in two of the practices. Okay. And they're just hesitant to, to want to touch that. And, okay. and I, I can't say a fault them. I mean, dentistry has a tremendously low default rate, but at the same time, I'm one person right. that's shouldering all the responsibility. And at a certain time, their policies are their policies. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the big holdups for me. But the other, the other thing that I'm really wanting to make sure that I do is I want to make sure that what we're doing now is the right, the right way. Because it feels right, and I can see the difference in my associate doctors now. But I want to get the feedback from them. Does this feel right to you? Does mm-hmm. this feel like this practice is going in the right way for you? With everything we've done, does this feel like what you want? Because, yeah, we're going to do what I want to do, but I still need the associates to buy in. To allow you to do what you want exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. How have you cultivated? How many associates have you gone through in these four practices? Let's see. We've we've had there have been four four failed associateships. And what made them fail? So there were two that were simply not the quality of dentist that okay. I needed. 
So you bad hiring decisions in a way. Yes, absolutely. The, how, how would you recommend somebody to look back from your experience mm-hmm. and how could you have nipped that in the bud or even noticed that before it even got to that point? Number one thing you have to do, have to do this. And it's not whether it's a dentist, I don't care if it's a dentist, a front office person, an assistant, somebody that's going to pay your bills or stuff statements. You need to do a personality test. And whether Be more specific with Whether me. you do a disc profile or there's all kinds of different profiling ways that you can do this pay the $40 for the online test and just see what the personality is and there's no right or wrong answer to these but you know what you're getting when you get into it okay it's also going to did re- you find them to be pretty accurate yeah 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 with the with the last two that we've done okay yeah we haven't done nearly enough of them and what do you try to do match them to your personality no absolutely not and so it, the opposite of that and uh, and it, I'm not saying that the opposite of your personality, sure. but you're purposely you're purposely trying not to match them to your personality. That's a, per, I don't want anyone like me. Okay. That's that's Personally, interesting. Because I that's want, I think why my associateships have failed. I don't want anyone like myself because if I had somebody truly like me, there would be chaos. There'd be absolute chaos. It's it's barely enough to hold it together with me making all kinds of crazy decisions. Okay. If we had everyone doing that. It would be really difficult, but there are certain things that I am going to be looking for in future hiring decisions. Are they are they willing to take direction? Mm-hmm. Are they self aware of when they have problems? Are they self aware of the people around them? Are they paying attention to how their actions impact others? Those are the things that are really important to me in any position, but okay. particularly the dentist, right? Because they well, they're the face of the practice. They're, they're the face, of the even practice. though they're the associate. They're leading the the team on a daily basis because I'm one guy. And although I travel around all these offices, I can't be everywhere at every the same day. time, yep. every day. And so I need somebody that at least believes in what we're doing. Okay. What would you tell somebody that's looking to possibly go into multiple practice ownership? Is it as easy as some people make it sound? Absolutely not. Uh, what it, are some sacrifices you've had to make? The, there's, there's been three big, big sacrifices. One is the, the time, the time commitment. I wouldn't even say it doubles. It, it it's exponential. Is there a stress component to that time? A significant stress component. I mean, the, there's. <laughs> I try not to let it affect me on a daily basis, but uh, you know, I I talk to my my father once a week, and every time I talk to him, at some point in the conversation, he goes, "I just don't understand how you sleep at night." He goes, "How do you even fall asleep at night?" And I said, "Dad." If, if I didn't go to sleep, that'd just be eight more hours for me to be scared shitless. <laughs> and, and it's true because there's significant stress. And I, I'm not afraid of what I'm doing, but the stress involved is because I want it to go right. I want mm. it to be perfect. I want it to be the way that I'm imagining it. And at a certain point, this goes beyond a fi- any financial implications. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond uh, treatment outcomes. This is my legacy. And that's the way I see it. This is what I want to be really known for. I want to create a legacy. And when things aren't going perfect, I get stressed about that. When things aren't going well, I get stressed about it. When we're having an, uh, an assistant that just doesn't understand why it's so important to take a CT perfectly without the patient moving <laughs> when we're getting ready to do a big implant case, that stuff stresses me out. I got you. Um, so it's uh, the stress component is, is huge. But then there's obviously there's, there's a financial commitment that you just have to be willing to make. And I would say I was incredibly lucky that with all the things I did wrong, I didn't lose my shirt on any of these deals. 
Um, Has it been hard to find associates? It's been incredibly difficult to find. Do you need more than four? Yes. What's holding you back from getting more? Um, The talent pool. Mm -hmm. I've I've really yet to find or interview anyone that I feel like could do the kinds of things that I want them to do. And we're we're making it work with what I have right now, but eventually we we will need to be adding adding more doctors to provide some of the services that maybe the current doctors don't have interest in doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for myself, like Botox, like Botox, like, Botox, like endo, like I'm listening some to more you. advanced ortho concepts. And these are all things I really enjoy doing implants, another big part of my practice, but I need somebody else to want to do those things in the practices and hold those doctors accountable to actually treatment plan and talk to the patients about those things and make sure they get on the schedule. So one of the things, without saying names in the procedure, mm-hmm. that was an interesting conversation we had was the battle between people that want to do a procedure that's not in the core business of your practice. Sure. Um, how do you, but you don't want to stifle yeah. people's enthusiasm and ingenuity, but at the same time, you want to be true to your practice. So how, how do we handle that? It's a, it, that's a really fine line. And, and you hit it right on the head. The last thing that that I need to do is crush anyone or right. hold them back. But what I feel like my biggest job is in my mentoring of my doctors is to help them get to the point in their career where they can make decisions about the things they want to add to their beyond the core requirements of their job. So to me, for any dentist that, that's going to work for me, I see a few things that are important to their core skill set. Basic restorative. Come on. That's... That's Basic no restorative, Basic restorative. Fillings and crowns? Fillings. Fillings. Seric crowns. Because again, we're a Seric office. Nothing gets sent to the lab unless we don't have the physical equipment to do it. Okay. So zirconia crowns and a couple of the offices, those things. Um, they have to be very proficient with that. I expect everyone to be able to, at the very least, access a tooth for endo. At the very least, access the tooth, put a file in it, and get the person feeling a little bit better. At the very least. If you're not comfortable completing an upper second molar on somebody that can't open all the way. I understand that. That's not the the point of this, but being proficient at endo and comfortable doing that. And then finally extractions. Okay. Being proficient at extractions. So repeat those for me again. Basic restorative meaning fillings. Yes. Um, uh, Seric crowns. Mm -hmm. At least access root canals. Yep. So so it's to get people out of pain. Yep. And then take out teeth. Yes. Okay. And I feel like... That doesn't sound that hard. it, It doesn't. And to me, that sounds like the the core requirements of being a dentist. So what if somebody wants to come to your practice and do implants? That's great. Do they show, show me that you have the training. Let's, let's walk through an implant. Let's, let's pretend walk through an implant. You show me how you would set up for an implant case. Show me the surgical plan that you have on a cone beam. Talk to me about the... I don't need a cone beam. I can just slam them in. Okay, that's great. So now talk to me about the surgical principles you use. Talk to me about how you plan these cases out. And... If somebody doesn't use a cone beam, okay, as long as they'll listen to me why they should be and why they will be, and they accept that they will be. Cone beam to me is a, is a non-negotiable. If somebody came to me and said, Doc, I want to work for you. I want to place all your implants, but don't worry. I don't need a cone beam. I'd say, that's, that's great, but you can go find a, a job elsewhere. I don't, care. I don't care if you've placed 10,000 implants without any issues. That's, that's not the way that we do things. Okay. So you draw the line there. Absolutely draw the line. It, that doesn't mean that all surgeries have to be guided. But cone beam 
They have to be virtually planned. Cone beam must be used to virtually plan every single implant case. All right. What's the average age of your associate? And by age, I don't mean physical age. I sure. mean year out of school. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Well, there's a pretty pretty sharp divide. Um, we've got you got four associates. We've got Greg. four associates. So I have one that's been out of school for probably 20, 22, 23 years. Okay, and then three associates that have each been out for two years. Okay, where would you say which one? Without naming names, mm-hmm. are you finding that they're equally producing for you and equally producing for your business? I would say that there's. They're all equally producing for the type of practice that they're in right now. Okay. For the for the practice that they are physically in, they're producing on an equal percentage, okay. equal level. Yep. Okay. All right. So you're happy with everybody? I, I feel really good about where they are in, in their development. Okay. And, and that's, of, now you said development. Talk to me about your role in their development and what you're doing to develop them. So uh, the biggest thing that I want to do to develop them is help them with the communication that we need mm-hmm. to how to talk to patients talk to patients that's the biggest thing communication is how you've gotten to where you are yeah. and i feel like communication is how i've gotten to where i am right. because you can have all the skills in the world but if you can't talk to somebody there's no way if you, that can't, you're get if you can't get somebody to trust you exactly and it's all about trust and that's what we keep coming back to trusting trusting in the doctor trusting in the team and that's where that's where I'm coaching them. It's just constant coaching and listening to exams. So between myself and Kathy, and now she has two people working with her that are in the practices where one of us is physically in a practice every day, listening to exams, listening to the doctors interact with uh, their team, seeing how those interactions are going, making sure to pull them aside immediately and give them feedback. Hey, I heard how you're talking to the assistant. I know that you weren't happy with the way that they set up for that crown, but come on, you can't can't beat them down that way. That's not that's not fair. So you and know, you do this how right. often with them? I 
try to do it as soon as I see something. Yeah. So, okay. Do you have set aside times that you spend to go over clinical cases or yeah, how, what, what kind of preset times do you have with your team? That That's something that I really need to work on. I really need to work on scheduling an actual time. And I keep saying I'm going to do it. And I just don't do it. And just have somebody else do it for you. Exactly. And, there, and there's no excuse for it. There's no reason not to. Is it important, it. you think? It's super important. I, I want to spend time with them once a week, every week, 30 minutes. I mean, this doesn't need to be some long, drawn out you know, case presentation. Let's just sit down or even if it's virtually, we can Skype and look at cases together and show me some of the things you're working on that are going great. Show me some things that you're concerned about or confused about and Let's just talk about it. Let's have photos. Let's have photography. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice big pictures. Let's so you showed me today this, uh, the, uh, we'll use brand names, Shofu camera. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? I love it. Okay. So I'm loving that where do, where do you use it? Do you use it? The hygienists use it? So the assistants are using it to document all my cases. Mm-hmm. I like to document pre and post-op mm-hmm. and intraoperative um, photos of all the cases. I'm using it for orthodontic purposes, for um, treatment planning purposes, for big cases. And we haven't gotten to the point of using it in hygiene because, of course, I, I did exactly what you told me not to do. Mm-hmm. And I bought about $24,000 of intraoral cameras. <laughs> which <laughs> You made somebody happy. It made somebody very happy. Um, and carries detection cameras. Okay. Um, which, which the associate doctors really do like. And I, and I see a huge benefit to that because it's one more piece of data to allow the tr- the patient to start to trust you because it's it's no longer you have a cavity it's hey look at this picture let me tell you about what i see going on what this picture means and so for that i see some value in it but i want to get to where 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 exactly you are taking pictures where where do you think i am taking pictures with the with the camera so i'm taking a, pictures with the camera no, the, the team okay yep and again there it's something i have no excuses for Okay. But it, it, it needs to happen. But what are you doing great in your practice? Practice says. So I think the thing that we do the best compared to a lot of other people around us, especially, is that we really make an effort to do everything we can to get the patient taken care of immediately. There, in my mind, there is no reason to delay somebody's treatment if they have the ability and we have the ability to take care of them now. Save them a visit, same day dentistry, mm-hmm. get them scheduled back immediately, help them out. Because we, we all know, we've all been in this situation where we say, yeah, you've got a little crack there. You need to come back for your crown. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll get you scheduled in three weeks. And what they happens should... in the meantime? Yeah. They forget. Yeah. Something comes up. It gets pushed off. Next thing you know, it's a year later. They bit down on something wrong. No, they crack working. the tooth and they lose it. Yeah. And, and to me, there's no reason for that to happen. So I'm all about really taking care of the patient immediately but at the same time where we really excel is the education aspect Mm -hmm. and one thing i've seen that we do a lot better than some other offices i've had the pleasure of looking at we actually talk to patients about consequences of neglect so it's not you need to do this crown because you have a crack it's you have a crack in your tooth and this is what might happen if we do nothing about it does that worry Mm -hmm. you and at that point, with most patients, you don't even have to tell them what you're going to do. I need to see you back for about an hour and a half, and we're going to take care of it. And if they've been through the, through the process before, they know that that means a crown. All right. What are you doing specifically on the communication end with the associates? 
So any CEs, any books, any cassette? So we're, cassettes. Yeah, cassettes. <laughs> well, I think what I'm using with them, the big thing, it's actually it actually was a cassette, maybe a CD. A first, laser the, disc. The the Paul Homily um, DVD or CD set. Yeah. Really, it's really. Thirty dollar book on Amazon. It's, it's a ten dollar audio book. Ten dollar yeah. MP3 download. It's incredible. I told you this. It's yeah. downloaded and saved on the hard drive in my computer's entertainment or yeah. my car's entertainment system. I just queue it up when I'm on the drive, listen to a chapter. Yeah. That kind of stuff to me is the kind of thing that we all should be investing in ourselves. And so I'm I'm always looking for those kind of things, those kind of podcasts, those kind of discussions yeah. that, that they can just hear real people talking about real things. What are you doing down here this weekend? So I'm down here doing a remedial um, course <laughs> on your on your Sleep 101 course um, because it didn't stick the first time. Um, no, I'm I'm down here with one of my associates okay. and one of my front office uh, team members who really are interested in sleep. Um, did they express this interest on their own, or did you express it and then they kind of took it? I I expressed how important it was, and they realized the passion I was talking about it with okay. and, and saw that it was really important to come. And my, my story with sleep and how we integrated it is really interesting. When I, when I first came down to the course, Which, well, how long ago was that? Last that October? Was, it was last October. Okay. I came down and I went back just through the moon. Yeah. I was jazzed up. And what I, made you, what made you jazzed up? What really got me excited was the way that you were talking about the, the way that we need to challenge our patients mm -hmm. and ask the difficult questions. And it, it got me excited about not just sleep, but everything. Why can't we talk to our patients that way? Why can't we ask them difficult questions? Why do we have to let them shut us off? Right. No, why are you asking, Doc, why are you asking me about that? doesn't matter. In my past life, I would have said, you're right. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Because it's just easier. Oh, we don't have to talk about it. Let's yeah, go on. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I'll see you at your next five-minute hygiene exam. Exactly. And that got me really excited because like a light bulb went off to me that this is how we need to be talking to our patients about everything. So in all your years of CE classes, nobody's ever made that impact on no. you? No. No. Okay. So I, I started the program off in October, like right away when I got back. I yeah. bought two of the home sleep tests. Just, yeah. They were going out like crazy. And the unfortunate thing was with as busy as I got at the other offices, I had to cut back my clinical time mm -hmm. at office number one where we were implementing this. And so that meant now it was all up to the team to mm -hmm. motivate patients, to make them aware, to get to, to get to the point of diagnosis. Right. And I didn't do a good enough job preparing them for it. Okay. I didn't train them properly. Did you bring them to the class with you? I brought one of my assistants. I, I brought saw my, that. My, yeah. my lead assistant, and she's really passionate about this too. But she's only in one spot at one time. She's in one spot at one time. And her, still her number one value to the practice is to be chairside. an amazing chairside assistant. Yeah. So she's not the right fit to be the champion, as I say. Exactly. At this point, this is, yeah. that's not the position for her. So it kind of put, the, it kind of put Olivia, my associate, in mm -hmm. a tough spot. Because now she has a team that wasn't completely properly trained. Mm -hmm. She understands the importance of it. She believed in the importance of it, but she wasn't ready to implement it herself. Okay. And now I'm only there one day a week. Right. So. And when you go, you got fires to deal with. Exactly. And certain things. So, so she was doing a great job at getting the, the HST out. We were sending both of them out every week. Mm -hmm. We were probably six, seven HSTs a week. 
Oh, but wow. The, but then the patients would have to schedule back for a consultation with me. Okay. And I was only there on Thursday. Yeah, that's not good. And that's not good. Yeah, they don't, it never works for them on it Thursday. It never works on Thursday. It's an unbelievably one. convenient excuse for patients. Is it thir- oh, Thursdays are never good. Thursday's the one it's day. It's the one day. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I kind of dropped the ball there. Okay. And realized that I needed to get Olivia prepared to be the one to, to be the face of that in our practice. And the more that she saw me interacting with the patients that I was able to connect with, the more interest she got in it, the more excited she got about it. And so when I, I brought up to her that, hey, we need to get you some more education, she was really, really excited about it. Okay. And so she came down here with Kelly, who's been an amazing person to work with. She started off with me. I, I hired her actually as my, as my sleep coordinator. So I hired her without a position to really do right after I got back mm-hmm. from here in October. And she's just done everything. She's done everything from sit at the front desk to and answer phones at a practice number four. She's kind of morphed into the one of the traveling, roaming regional managers mm-hmm. of the practices. I might get her back into trying to become that sleep champion. She doesn't yeah. know that, but... But she's here this weekend. She's right? here this weekend, so she might she's find She's in a loud green shirt. Yes. So she yeah. might find out about that on Monday. Okay. Why? Um, now let's talk about the second part of your life. Any, anything, what else do you, what else would you tell somebody that's looking to come to our classes? What makes it a little bit different? Well, the interaction level is, is so different than, than anything else. And I've done a lot of really powerful, informative CE courses. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I've returned from a lot more CE courses, like prepared to actually do something to my patients than I did when I left here. Mm -hmm. But those were those were technical things, right? Like those were clinically based. Clinically based, like when I when I went to a Sarek course on anterior restorations. Sure. Yeah, I could come back and make an awesome looking front tooth. Yeah, and you're also doing those more regularly. Yeah, so that the, from that aspect, that's that's where that stands. But when I left here, the excitement that I had about what I was doing and the reason that we're doing it—that's what really stuck out to me. I mean, the the whole thought that we can actually change somebody's life and not just give them a nicer looking smile or fix their little cavity. Mm. We can actually change their life and And, save their life. And you're also doing a treatment, fixing your smile. How many dentists fix smiles? How many dentists isn't a cosmetic dentist, right? But so few dentists are participating in sleep apnea therapy. It's a unique selling proposition for your practice. It absolutely is. And I feel like sleep is something that will, in turn, eventually start to lead towards growth in other areas yeah. in the practice. As well. I think one thing that was different from the course you took in October and now is I have more team involvement this yes. time. Is that a good thing? Not so good thing? For myself, I want more you. Yeah. I want more T-Bone. I want more T-Bone and Aaron. Yeah. But for the team members that are here with, with mm-hmm. the other participants, I think it's, it's vital to, yeah. to hear from your team. Because, like you made brutally clear, you don't know. You don't know the answers to these questions. How 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 does the the patient interaction go? The truth is, I do know. You know, you know, but 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 for the the sake of the course, you don't want to answer that. You want your team to answer that because you've empowered them to feel like this is their. Is that unique? It's it's not common. Okay. It's not common, and it's something I want to do. It's something you've inspired me to do. Good. Right. 
All right. So now, what else do you do, John, besides own dental practices? You do speaking training? Yeah. So how'd that, how'd that come about? So that, that really is, it was one of those things that when I look back at it, it just kind of happened. Okay. Um, and I think it, yeah, I did get involved with some of the, the education on the CEREC side of, of practice. And it all stemmed from the, the involvement I had with CEREC doctors. Um, from day one, when I bought my CEREC machine, it was through the, the CEREC doctors program. Which okay, so CEREC Accept. Through the CEREC Accept. I, I showed up there and met Rich Rosenblatt and Pete yeah. Gardell, who are still like two of the craziest best dentist that i've Rich ever met definitely it's, is craziest uh, pete is you know a little bit more mellow but yeah, yeah. but but awesome amazing people that i clicked with yeah they're, they're just my kind of people and i realized that they were doing the kind of things i wanted to be doing implants ortho advanced stuff i wanted to do that and that was kind of holding i was kind of held back from that before i had the Sarek machine and it's not a machine that did it but it was confidence in seeing other people actually doing it. There's some. There's something about the community behind community is, is crazy. People call it a cult, and, and it kind of. I is. think in a in a way it is right. Yeah. But it's not like a cult like the weirdo people that are going to shoot each yeah. other at the end of the day, right? Yeah. No, they're just going to go out and binge drink with each yeah, other. Well, all well, night. we're all going to omnicam each <laughs> yeah. other one night. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a it's an unbelievable community, and it's like minded individuals that yep. are really focused on new technologies and enhancing their practice. And uh, it's a great group of people to be around. Yeah. Yeah. So from day one with Sarek Accept and then going through all the, the coursework I possibly yeah. could in Scottsdale, that was kind of the first, uh, my first foray into the, the training. So I got to actually go back and mentor some of the Sarek Accept programs, okay. mentor at some of the courses in, in Scottsdale and realized I really enjoy teaching. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you don't get paid much money to yeah. do it but you're empowering others but you're empowering others to do well and there's nothing better than seeing that light bulb go off yeah. in somebody's eyes and just knowing that they're going to go back to their practice monday and just kill it because of that one little thing that it was the missing link right they needed that one missing link and now they're ready to just conquer the world it, it just feels so good so how much teaching are you doing so last year i was on the road it was 32 weekends of teaching um, and that was a lot. That was. Is that too much? Uh, I think it was too much. It what do you was, think is good? There, there's no number okay. that I can really, really say. I think that. Once a month? Once a month would be enough to, to really keep me satisfied. Twice a month? Twice a month might be a little too much in some months, but mm. not enough in others because, uh, you know, your schedule's like mine. It's not always the same throughout oh, the year. Right. Um, but one to two times a month, I think it's kind of that sweet spot. And you're and roughly three times a month last year. Last time it was about three times a month. And, you know, threw a, a brand new baby in, yeah. into the mix. And um, that really, really made things a little bit difficult. So now I'm really trying to focus on whatever opportunities where I can really help the most people. And mm -hmm. so trying to be involved in the right things. Um, but it's What are what some it, of the right things? I think the the types of events where working on on things where we can have these kind of really good interactions one-on-one -on -one conversations okay. with our with the people that we're helping to train and teach and learning about their practice so i you know i don't want to be at a at some seminar where you're just up there just going on and on and on about whatever topic i want to i want to actually connect with the people i'm working with and, yeah. and and try to try to help them get their practice to a better place okay 
And so what's your goal for next for this year and next year on that? 32 times this year? No. 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 That's the the higher powers have, have said no. That's the higher that, power being the wife? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She said no way to that. And that's good. I need somebody to... Is she to, still with Eli Lilly? No. So she's with a uh, another um, pharmacy insurance benefits company. Okay. Yeah. So she works... She works... Full-time? Full-time, yeah. You work full-time? Full-time. Plus? Yeah, plus, plus, yeah. Okay. And you have one son? Yeah. Yep, just turned one. Two, one, okay. Yep, just turned two, one. Okay, one. Yep. Okay, and so you're balancing, juggling all this, trying to balance it all. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. It's uh, oh, I I figure yeah. that out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty just much impossible. impossible. It's it's good though. We can act like it's possible. <laughs> we can pretend. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met a lot of good friends through your Sarek stuff? I would say the 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 best friends I've ever had in my yeah. life are people that I've met through the the various teaching and education events I've been a part it's a, of. It's an, it, I, I can't stress to people enough. Um, it's a great group of people. Yep. I mean, there's, there's some duds and sure. stuff. Sure. Sure. But they're, they're great. What I noticed and listen, I've been in Sarek now almost, uh, let's see, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, since 2004 is, it is a, a group of people that want to help each other. Like anything I've ever seen in life. Yep. And, um, they're, they're here to help each other. And, and we all have a desire to grow. And, and the other thing I've seen with Sarek and, and, uh, how long have you been with Sarek now? Three oh God, years. Three years. Okay. Three and a half years. So, so yeah. you're very relatively young, but it grows as you grow. Yep. So you start off with the machine that you bought to do crowns mm-hmm. and now you're doing implant restorations. Now you're doing surgical guides. Now you're printing models from STL files. You know, now we're doing all kinds of stuff with it that, uh, that, that we don't even know what it really means to our practice. Until we get into it and start using it, yeah, yeah, so, it's a, it's an exciting thing to be a part what of. What about just three D imaging? Three D imaging is to me that's an even bigger thing from a practice standpoint mm-hmm. than than Sarek. Sarek is a, a great tool. I would be really inconvenienced if I didn't have it, mm-hmm. but I could continue practicing without it. If somebody were to tell me that they're going to take my cone beams away or mm-hmm. we couldn't use it anymore, I'd probably have to quit. I just okay. I I use I rely on that. Whether we're trying to track down the source of somebody's pain, trying to check for pathology, plan an implant, mm-hmm. um, check somebody's sinuses to make sure there's no pathology. I, there's just too many uh, implications in the technology. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What would be the one piece of advice you'd get to somebody uh, coming out of school or one or two, three years in, whether they're early practice owner, whether they're looking to buy a practice or whether they're an associate somewhere? What's the... What's the number one advice you've ever gotten and that you would pass on to somebody? Find a mentor. Okay. Find somebody. Define a mentor. So it's a mentor is somebody that you trust their opinion. Mm-hmm. Somebody that you look up to and want to aspire to be. And do they have to be older than you? Then they don't have to be older than you. Okay. They could be. They could be a peer. They could be somebody that's a year ahead of you. They could be somebody that's younger than you, but somebody that that is doing the types of things you want to do. Find that person. And just soak up everything that, that they have to tell you. Just just take it all in. Listen to everything that they have to do. If they tell you to stop using stop using that product, you're, you're wasting your time. You're adding an extra step to your restorative mm-hmm. procedure. Stop using it. Just stop. There's certain things you just have to trust from the, the people that have done it before. Yeah. And, and not get caught up in the manufacturer recommendations on like, well, 
you have to you have to use Gluma yeah. on every restoration, or else people's teeth are. Well, you'll fall get apart. two extra megapascals of bond strength. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, that that's an extra cost to the practice. It's an extra um, step. step. More things that it's can go more wrong. things that can go wrong. It's one less. It's one less that. What if your assistant didn't order it? Yeah. Are you going to stop doing it restorations that day? I mean, yeah. Come on. So you know, take that advice from people. Listen to what what their um, experience has been. And the other thing that, that is really important to do, and, and you'll, you won't know day one, but decide what type of practice you want to be involved in. And I don't mean physical practice location, but what type of dentistry do you want to be involved in? What are the different types of dentistry? You know, I see the, the kind of bread and butter GP, the, they're happy doing a couple of services, fillings, crowns, cleaning teeth, and you know, endo extractions, endo maybe extractions, but you know, really limiting your focus. And if that's what you want to do, then then by all means, do that. But know that in the upcoming world, that's probably going to hold you back a lot. Yeah. So, are you interested in that, or are you interested in full mouth dentistry? Are you interested in full patient dentistry? Are you interested in full body healthcare? Are you interested in sleep? What are some procedures you've added to your practice that have made an impact? The, or technologies besides Sarek and Cone Beam. Sure. The the biggest uh, procedures that I've added, implants. Okay. Implants are a game changer. Um, you know that. Patients, nobody wants a bridge. Nobody wants to be missing teeth. Nobody wants dentures that are floating around. So implants are a huge thing. Ortho is one of the biggest components that I've gotten the most satisfaction out of. I love seeing people come back with confidence. Mm-hmm. I love seeing people come back with um, I'm working with a, a couple of people that aren't that much younger than me right now. They're late 20s. Parents could never afford orthodontics for them. They finally have a stable job. They said, you know what? I want a, I want a nice smile. I want, one guy tell me, he goes, I just want my teeth straight because I just want to find a girl. Hmm. I'm like, you know what, man? We're going to take care of that. Not a problem. I, I can't help you with anything else. I can help you with that, though. Yeah, you could help him. I could, I could help him with a few things. Yeah. I know some people. Yeah, he knows. I bet, <laughs> I bet you you know some people from Kazakhstan. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Jesus. Um, um, all right. John, you're a great dude, man. Hey, you're a great dude. I mean, your your voice here is very different than your voice at my pool table. Right? Yeah. Isn't that... Isn't that well, it's amazing what a little bit of time and... A lot less alcohol can do. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I, I feel like I've kind of made a, a transition in my career recently where I've realized that I'm here to, to try and help mm-hmm. the doctors that I'm working with succeed. And when there was a struggle, I wasn't looking at myself. I was looking at everyone else. Yeah. I really had to start looking in the mirror. And that was tough. It was really hard. It was, you know, we talk about some of the struggles in life, some of the, the bumps we have to get over. And that was kind of the most recent and biggest one that I really had to get over. I had to start to look at myself in the mirror. and You had to find your why. Yep. That's exactly it. And, and I feel like I have that now. For the time being. For the time being. So you're going to be down to three practices by the time this comes out. Yep. Do you ever envision having partners or multiple owner, or say ownership people for your associates to help retain them? Yes. Because yeah. it's unlikely you're going to be able to keep people forever. Yep. And that's, uh, that's one of the other realizations I've, I've come to recently is that this associate driven model that I've, I've adopted, it's the, the classic multiple practice model. It's not really sustainable for the long term. 
because you will inevitably have doctor turnover. You're going to have doctors that move. They're, they're not going to be the right fit. They're going to want bigger aspirations. And doctor turnover is expensive. Yeah. Let's just boil it's a morale down booster thing. killer for the oh, team. Kills Patients have questions. Like, oh, why am I seeing something different every time I come in? It's miserable. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, geez, we had, we had a doctor go on vacation for a week and I was covering for him. Yeah. It was like 20 questions with every patient. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm my, the owner. My name's on the building. Yeah. Lord. Yeah. So, so yes, I, I want to change that model. And I feel like I, I've started to adopt a, a good model that's going to allow the, the associates to become co-owner partners yeah. in the business. And it's a setup where everyone really wins. And we hear that too often. We hear, we hear that promise all the time whether it's equipment reps, manufacturers, whatever. Everyone wins in this scenario. No, the, the, this is different. Everyone really does win. The co-owner partner wins. The patients win. The team wins. I win. Every, everybody wins, whether it's financial, whether it's a personal satisfaction, whether it's the quality of care. It, it's really a good scenario. And so I'm working through a way to offer... Um, partnership mm -hmm. opportunities to the doctors that are working with me. That's good. Yeah. You think it's important for you to get that done? I think it's really important for, for me to get that done because when I look back at my own story, that was the thing that caused me to leave my first right. associateship. And if that had been on the table, who knows where I'd be now. Right. I, I may still be at that Obviously, practice. you're lucky. I, I, I'm incredibly lucky. And, uh, you know, to, to that point, I think that too often the generation that I'm kind of associated with, mm -hmm. when we have a, a roadblock in front of us or we have a struggle, it's too easy to just say, why me? Oh, poor me. Let's have a pity party. Let's right. feel bad. Instead of just getting to the root of the problem, keeping your head down and getting through it. And we all have those situations, whether it's personal, whether it's in our practice, whatever it is. And we just have to get through it. And we're, we're people. We have hard things happen in life. I mean, I've dealt with some really, really terrible things in life that at times uh, I woke up in the morning and was just like, well, why even, why even keep going? There's no point. But you just pull yourself up and, and say, you know, today's going to be a better day and we're going to get through it. And, and, that's, and that's what you have to do when you're faced with those things. You just have to get through it. It's awesome. John, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I love I love coming down to harass you and crash on somebody's bed. I don't know. Who's, I don't know whose bed it is. I don't know whose bed it is. But we'll find your room. Yeah, There's I'll plenty find your here room somewhere. I mean, I'm looking at a, a bed that looks like it came from the casting room of a different type of production. But <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we will end this podcast. Thank you, John. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Hey, by the way, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I, I try to post. Stuff they can't spell your last they name. They can't spell That's my last name, so that could be a problem. You can find me uh, via email. That's the best way. JP at EVODDS dot com. E Edward Victor O as an Oscar DDS dot com. Dot com. JP at Evo DDS. Extra Virgin Olive DDS dot com. Exactly. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to T Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. 
Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode. 